1: Hennegan in studio and we have uh, with us today one of maybe not the expert but certainly ranks up there near the top if you're going to go fishing what are the two things that you need well probably need a hook and some side of line so what we're going to be talking about today is what you attach to the hook to catch the fish and we have Clay Norris now Clay would you mind introducing yourself and giving us your title?
2: Absolutely. I'm Clay Norris, and I am the Senior Brand Product Manager for Berkeley Fishing Lines.
1: Okay. And you make a lot of different kind of fishing lines
2: we do. <laughs> we uh where should I start?
1: Well, we're going to we're going to just this is a short uh, segment. We're going to come back and get deeply involved into that and maybe we we'll start off with a little bit of history of lines and how they progressed and you know what how much of it is just marketing and how much is is, is true science and and is there really a difference between um, different types other than just uh, the brand name that they put on them.
2: Sure. So, well, mm-hmm. let me let me go back to the very beginning. The uh, lines okay. were I think they were made Mm -hmm. out of cotton. They were made out of polyester. They were braids for many years.
1: Well, and actually, I think that the tuna club, you still have to have the linen lines to catch a a marlin. Really? uh, Yeah, that's right. Well, that's uh, that's on the West Coast, but we'll talk about that. But uh, we would like to make sure that you go to, if you want to listen to Clay, uh, you can go to fishtalkradio.com and uh, starting uh, anytime you want and listen to it again and again because there's going to be some great information that we don't want you to miss. And then we're also going to be talking to Mark Lesene, editor of Bass Angler Magazine coming up. And then we'll check in with Bart Hall for the Hall shows, which the next one coming up is in Del Mar. And so, and then we're going to get back and Clay, you're going to be with us the whole time. I hope so. All right. um, You know, hope the uh, people that you work for understand this is important business and you're not fooling around.
2: (laughs) I think they do.
1: Okay. All right. Well, you are listening to Fish Talk Radio, and we would like you to go to Facebook, Fish Talk Radio, go online at uh, fishtalkradio.com, and in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk to uh, Clay about maybe getting some line we can give away. But anyway, we'll be right back with you in just a couple of minutes, so don't go too far.
3: Hi, I'm Bart Hall, and I'm here to tell you about the Fred Hall Show, the ultimate outdoor experience, March 26th to the 29th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. People often ask me, what is a Fred Hall Show? Well, it's San Diego's biggest fishing show, biggest boat show, biggest travel show, and biggest outdoor recreation event of the year. I love these shows not just because my family name is on them, but because generations of Californians have grown up loving these events with me. Every year the shows are different, but this year we'll be celebrating the greatest saltwater fishing season in over 30 years. We believe that this will be the best San Diego Fred Hall Show ever. The show is packed with thousands of high-quality fishing, fly fishing, and international travel exhibits. There are over 200 interesting seminars and dozens of family fun activities, including the world's greatest knife thrower. There will be more boats on display than ever before. My grandchildren keep asking if it's time for Papa Show. Yes, it's time for Papa Show, the exceptional Fred Hall Show, March 26th to the 29th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. Details at FredHall.com. And remember, it's a whale of A show.
5: The East Cape of Baja, Mexico, is world-famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Wormer resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA.
1: Welcome to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio, and I have the pleasure of having on air with us Mr. Clay Norris, who uh, hopefully he's got a little bit of time to spend with us because he's going to be our co-host today. And Clay is uh, an expert on fishing line. He's the marketing manager for Berkeley Line and Berkeley... Line, gosh, Clay, how many different types of line? You probably couldn't even count them, but give us an idea of what different types of line that Berkeley's involved in.
2: Well, we, you know, in the in the modern era of lines, I guess, it started about, uh, let's say, 50, 60 years ago uh, when nylon monofilament kicked in. We've, we've got a wide variety of, of nylon monofilaments that we make, uh, fluorocarbon monofilaments, and then this uh, group of lines that we call super lines. Some people call them braids, um, but, but the super lines are made out of the high-tech materials, gel-spun polyethylene, and uh, so, gosh, we've got... Um, i mean we've we've probably got we 've got thousands of different what we call s k u s when you actually you know this particular color at this particular size spool and and so on and so forth but we 've got dozens of series of line uh here at berkeley
1: well <laughs> I'm glad that you're on because the the subject of lines, especially if you you know kind of follow the advertisements and the different stories, everybody of course has their own slant on what's the best and how to use it and when to use it. But hopefully, by the time we get through with the program, we'll uh, let's just say untangle some of the mysteries.
2: <laughs> yes, untangle the mystery. That is that's a good way it,
1: to put it. <laughs> as to because uh, if we go back. Um, You know, when things were more simple, and of course, there was a time when, you know, I don't know what Zane Gray and those people used, but we mentioned the the, the tuna club out of Catalina, in order to uh, fish in their tournament, you have to use uh, linen thread. Yes. And that's kind of amazing how you could, you know, just, it would be strong enough. But apparently it works. And then, of course, you said that, uh, uh, well, Dacron, you know, used to be fairly popular. I don't know. Uh, is it still around now? Do people still yes. use it? there
2: are still mm-hmm. some manufacturers that sell uh, Dacron line, mm-hmm. uh, braided line. It's a, it's a more inexpensive type of braided line. Uh, it doesn't have the... Strength per diameter mm-hmm. that uh, Dyneema and Spectra do, which are the right. gel spun polyethylenes, but it's a it's a you know it's an affordable line and it and it's you know it's it's strong compared to a lot of mm-hmm. other ones.
1: Well, and let's move into when when did nylon come around in the late fifties, sixties? Yeah, it yeah. was
2: it, in the nineteen fifties. I mean, I've been kind of going back in our Berkeley Museum and looking, and uh, Burke Bedell had some you know some some nylon lines, you know maybe end, as early as the very early 1950s, he got into the business, and the reason we did here in Berkeley and Spirit Lake is he originally used nylon to coat steel leaders. Uh, one of our oldest products, probably the mm. oldest you know, continuous product for us are our Berkeley steel on leaders. Hmm. And years ago Berkeley had a logo that was a heart and it was the heart logo for many years with Berkeley and script in it and it was because they were leaders with a heart of steel they were uh, but okay. you know it, that, that they had the clear nylon on the outside so Burke started working with nylon uh, it was the DuPont company in um, uh, over on the east coast in Delaware I believe that uh, invented nylon in, and yeah, I think around the time of World War II and Maybe before that, because I know nylon was in short supply from what I understand.
1: Well they made stockings out of it, didn't they? But yeah. Was, yeah. yeah, and then they but yeah. they made parachute cords oh, yeah. which was more yeah.
2: important and yeah. I believe they made people like not buy stockings during that period oh. to save on nylon. Interesting. So post-war, it began to be used for a number of different things. And um, so DuPont was developing nylon monofilament, and Berkeley did about the same time. We don't have enough time for me to get into the whole story back and forth, back in those days.
1: Let's kind of continue on. Now, nylon, um, from from years ago, somebody told me that nylon is nylon. And every different company, they'd they'd try and claim it was something different. Uh, They'd do this. So they do polymers. They put different colors in it. you know. But my understanding basically was that nylon was nylon. So is was that true, and how has that changed?
2: Well, what's changed is the advent, and this, again, is maybe above. I'm going to try to simplify what little I understand about it because it gets into polymer science. But you have this basic material, which is nylon, and there are different types of nylon, grades of nylon as it's evolved. And um, there, the lines we have today are called copolymers, and you might have what... Was the original nylon maybe a component or a base in it, but then there are other things that are, you know, uh, different formulations of the nylon that are made, you know, either to be more abrasion-resistant, to absorb water more or less, Mm -hmm. to provide tensile strength. Less memory. Mm -hmm. There's, yeah, reduced memory, um, you know, but there are usually gives and takes if if you reduce Reduce memory in a lot of cases, you reduce abrasion resistance.
1: Mm, softer,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. If you increase your abrasion resistance and make the line harder, then sometimes it becomes, in most times, it becomes, uh, you know, more coily and stiffer. So we blend these different nylon polymers, there's just all kinds of them, and they're they're trade secrets and so forth, but there's Mm -hmm. just all kinds of numbers and formula pieces that come together. So first of all, you've got formula differences. Second of all, you've got processing differences. Is you know how much do you heat them? How little do you heat them? Uh, what diameter of a extrusion die do you start with? Um, then how do you draw the line that that it, you pull on the line through a process to uh, you know mm-hmm. make to, you, once it's extruded to you know you can you can draw some of these polymers more and increase the tensile strength. But again, sometimes if you over draw it then it gets too stiff and it's all a balancing act and depending upon what end property we want in a nylon line we you know take all of these inputs uh you know the polymer chemists do and our engineers and then we come out with the line um today you've got i mean it's it is there's so many of them and it is it is rather complicated but to try to simplify it there are about three basic categories that I would say that nylon monofilament is in today. Um, you go for manageability as you're most important property? Strength is a given. I mean, we need to make sure that our lines are strong, that they're as strong as we say on the box or the package that they're going to be. Um, but then, you know, how do we how do we enhance that? So there's the highly manageable, smooth casting, low memory lines. Our Trilene XL is kind of the most famous example of that. Um, these are very versatile lines can be used in a lot of applications. And then you've got an extra tough variety. So you go more for a abrasion resistance. So you think of lines like our, our Berkeley Triline XT. And then shock resistance sometimes is more important. And, you know, if you, if you put some extra stretch in a line, that's really good for a lot of these big water, saltwater situations where you have, you know, the fish hit so hard and run so hard. Mm-hmm. So lines like Trilene Big Game fall in that category.
1: Wow. And that's just okay. Well, we're, talking, we're, ta- we're talking to the right guy, that's for sure. Um, and uh, we've only got uh, less than a minute for this segment. But uh, just a real quick question, if you can give a real quick answer, I don't know. Uh, the difference between inexpensive line and more expensive line, uh, is, there, is there a difference? Is there a reason?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean these formulas that i 'm talking about that uh, other compounds, the processing all that stuff it 's added cost it 's added time and uh, so these lines that have special properties, all the lines I mentioned are you know a, a degree of premium line you There are lines made with just the old basic nylon, mm-hmm. uh, very simply extruded, very inexpensively extruded, and while they will serve a function. They don't have these extra performance characteristics.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're going to have to take a break now. And one of the questions when we come back is I want to talk about uh, um, the strength when you're, when you're talking about line test and diameters. But yep. uh, we're going to take a, a quick uh, break, and we would like you to stay tuned to Fish Talk Radio and go to our website, fishtalkradio.com. And we'll be back with you momentarily. Some exciting stuff. Thank you, Clay. We'll be right back with you.
6: Oh, yeah. It's time. For the 38th Annual Fred Hall Show, the ultimate outdoor experience, March 26th to the 29th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds, San Diego's biggest fishing show, biggest boat show, biggest travel show, biggest outdoor recreation event of the year. It's San Diego's number one show. Don't miss the Mammoth Lights Kids Fish Free Trout Pond, the Ram Ultimate Air Dogs, the Costa Sporting Chef Cafe, the San Diego County Ford Dealers Paul Bunyan Lumberjack Show, the Savage Gear Bass Tank, the Accurate Real Saltwater Tank, Air Gun Ranges, Archery, cast. And dozens of family fun activities. Over 200 high quality seminars presented by Progressive Insurance, Cousins Tackle, Hobie Kayaks, and the World Fishing Network. Enter to win a custom Sea of Cortez fishing trip to Rancho Leonero, a pair of accurate fishing reels, or a Hobie Pro Angler Kayak. Kids free, kids fish free, military free. The 38th Annual Fred Hall Show, March 26th to the 29th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. Details at Fredhall.com. It's a whale of a
7: show. SANDOS is how to spell luxury resort in downtown Cabo San Lucas. Sandos Finisterre Los Cabos is the only five star all inclusive on the beach next to the marina in Cabo San Lucas. Angler friendly Sandos Finisterre Los Cabos is now an affordable world class resort with the finest accommodations, food, and location anywhere. Enjoy your Cabo fishing adventure as you never have. Visit Sandos.com and use discount code Fishtalk. There's a boat race down the river. There's a slow boat on my mind.
1: Welcome back to Fish Talk talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio. And now we have two experts in studio with us. Uh, We still have Clay Norris, marketing manager for Berkeley. And we also have the editor, publisher, writer, uh, professional bass angler for BassAnglerMag.com, Mark Lissane. Mark, thanks for joining us. I know that you're kind of busy. It sounds like you might be out on a boat someplace in a river. So we appreciate you coming in. But, uh, uh, Mark, what we started talking about with Clay Clay, is kind of the early earlier history of lines and then t- when nylon came about and then the progression of that. So let's kind of continue that type of conversation, and then we hope that you'll join in and mention some of the lines that you favor for bass fishing. And uh, Clay, sure. Clay, we uh, uh, we hadn't talked about fluorocarbon yet, and I don't know if that has anything to do with bass fishing, but fluorocarbon and then I guess the uh, um, I'm not sure if you know a lot of different names, Uh, the the Kevlar, the Super Braid, Micro Braid, or whatever the correct terminology is. So uh, let's just talk about uh, fluorocarbon just for a second because you mentioned about uh, abrasion resistance too.
2: Yeah, I'd like to get Mark's take on it because we're observing that in the particularly starting with the professional level uh, bass anglers that fluorocarbon is becoming an increasingly important tool for them to fish with. And I think from a technical standpoint it it started with, you know, the, kind of the sizzle was the invisibility of it because it bends light very close to the way water does. But I think what the bass anglers are appreciating about it is its density, is the fact that it sinks, and they get a, a more straight-line approach to their, uh, you know, from the tip of their rod to the lure, and it's actually also very abrasion-resistant material. Mark, what are you hearing out there?
8: Yeah, you know, that's what I, I actually use fluorocarbon for almost – any lure that goes underwater that I, I want to use uh, you know a, a, that I used to use monofilament with now I'm using fluorocarbon so you know like you're talking about some of the benefits it's abrasion resistant so if you're throwing a crankbait in or on the rocks it really helps um, also has a, a lower stretch factor than uh, monofilament so it gives you a little better hook set and that lower stretch factor also gives you a little better sensitivity so if you're throwing a uh, you know, if you're throwing a worm or a jig, you get a little better feel. You can kind of tell what's biting a, a little bit better than you could um, with the older monos.
2: Yep. And so it. Those
8: are,
2: oh, go ahead, Mark.
8: No, so those are some of the benefits. And then you also have, you know, the, the density of the line is almost the same density as the water. So, you, you know, for most of us, bastards. Confidence is such a big thing, and when you have a line that it actually is almost invisible underwater, it gives you that little extra bit of confidence and uh, helps you fish just a little bit better.
2: Yep, and I think confidence is a lot of, of what is, is happening with, with fluorocarbon. It's, mm-hmm. it's real interesting that that stretch factor you were talking about is that Uh, Fluorocarbon stretches differently, it actually, before it breaks at what we call ultimate elongation, it has real similar uh, stretch percentage, if you will, to nylon, but it's harder to get it to stretch in the beginning, so at the normal pull rates and things that you have just fishing, you're absolutely right, it feels much more sensitive and it sets the hook better.
1: Mark, do you spool your reel with uh, floral or is it a leader?
8: You know, different, different applications, um, you know, get spooled different ways. So if I'm throwing like a, a spy bait, uh, some guys know what that is. I throw it on a spinning rod, and I'll spool it up with six-pound fluorocarbon, and I do my whole spool with fluorocarbon. Um, you know, and other, other things like uh, drop shot and uh, shaky heads and things like that, I will spool up with a braided line and then just use a fluorocarbon leader.
2: Yeah, because when you get to the braided lines, okay, the material that braids are made out of, um, the technical term is gel spun polyethylene. There's a couple different brands of it that are out there in the marketplace. Uh, there's Spectra. Uh, we at, at Berkeley use Dyneema, uh, but it's 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 a similar uh, chemical. But this uh, is is. This fiber is three to four times stronger than monofilament, uh, either nylon or fluorocarbon, by diameter, um, and it has virtually no stretch. So you get this very high level of sensitivity, and, and actually, you use your fluorocarbon leader, you know, don't you, more as a as a shock leader, um, so that you have a little bit of uh, stretch and shock at the end.
8: Right. Yeah. A couple couple reasons to use it as a leader is one got one for the shock and uh, another so the fish don't see it. And, you know, the, the final one is uh, confidence also. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another thing to mention is using braid on a spinning rod is braid doesn't have the memory um, like 4-carbon or, or even a copolymer line. So you don't get your line all when you open up the spool on your spinning rod. It doesn't all fly off your reel. The <laughs> braid will stay on a lot longer. Yeah. yeah. So, a Lot longer between spool ups.
1: Hmm.
2: You also get greater casting distance in most cases with a, a super line, a, a, the, the braided lines, because of that thin diameter. Mm-hmm. Um, thinner exactly. diameter, you have, uh, you know, the greater the greater distance right. you can cast your right.
1: line. Less water resistance too, if you're trolling or such. But uh, now, if, if we could just a minute talking about and, and what is what is the correct terminology? It, can, originally it came from Kevlar, didn't it?
2: Well, there was a variety. I don't know if it originally did. That was a, a super fiber mm-hmm. that was used and experimented with. The mm-hmm. problem with Kevlar is it breaks down in the sunlight pretty okay. fast. Okay. Um The 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 gelsp- the PE the, a lot of a lot of people mm-hmm. call them PE lines, just short for polyethylene. But the gel spun polyethylene lines are UV does not uh, you well, know UV and sunlight does not uh, affect uh, them uh, and uh, they uh, don't break down.
1: I remember trying you know the the early micro and they were not round they were kind of like oval shape and when you reel it in it would stack up on your reel and then it would cut into itself and it was a real problem especially if you got a big fish on Uh, it would just kind of dig in and you'd lose the fish but the ones that they're using now uh, you know know, they're round and they they have the characteristics more that's like a, a, a line that you're looking for
2: that's true that we make them more, uh, without getting too technical, there's more little fiber bundles that we use now. there, Many of the braids now are what we call an eight-carrier braid. That just means there's eight bundles of fiber. And the more that you can do that, the rounder we can make the line. Another thing that happened a lot, uh, especially early on, was that people, because they're three to four times stronger than nylon and so much thinner, uh, people were buying, let's say you used 10, you were used to using 14-pound mono. That's what mm-hmm. you like to use. Right. All right. You would go buy a 15-pound braid or something like that. Well, the 15-pound braid has the diameter of like a four-pound mono. Right. So part of that digging in was you weren't using the right diameter. Uh, bass fishermen are using... 50, 65, sometimes 80-pound braids Mm -hmm. because they have the diameters that are closer to a 10... 14, mm-hmm. twenty pound mono
1: well just just as a quick aside from that when you're talking about big game fishing uh and you're using say a hundred and twenty pound test line uh you could only carry three or four hundred yards on on a big reel, and then if you run out you know then you got to tie another reel to it, throw it in the water or go chase a fish, but with the uh diameters now you know instead of carrying three or four hundred they can carry a thousand yards of line if they want to. Yes, yes, much more line capacity.
8: So mm-hmm. well, um, a couple of cool things about uh, about using braid is that you know, we go salmon fishing out here in the bay. I'm a bass guy, but you know, I do in <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's nice is that you can use, if you're using braid, you can use a lighter uh, lead ball. So you oh, know, you're yeah. gonna save a little money on that. You can get a little deeper. If you want to mm-hmm. throw a little deeper, you know, you can, we use uh braided yeah. line, you know, it's, for uh, the ones that we well, want to d- go deeper. D-
1: d- less, less resistance to the smaller diameter.
8: Yep. Right. And something, uh, something guys should think about when they are spooling up with braid is that at least you know, the first fifteen or twenty yards, you want to use monofilament on the spool because if you use just straight braid, hmm. it could slip around. Good Very chip. good
2: point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, you could tape down that the, the line down also on the arbor. But yeah, the mono, the mono backing is a, is a good idea, and you it also uh, save you a little bit of money there too because the braids usually are sold in. You know, let's say 125 to 150 yard filler spools, and, and you can, uh, you know, back it some with the mono uh, so that you can fill your reel properly.
8: Right, right. So, I mean, you know, the advancements in line are just phenomenal. I'll have to say that, um, you know, the Berkeley 100% fluorocarbon is really a nice line. There's a bunch of lines, um, you know, fluorocarbon lines out there that are stiff, and that, that one, the Berkeley 100% fluorocarbon. Really works good on your spool. It Doesn't come flying off the spool like a a lot of the some of the other mm-hmm. fluorocarbons that are real stiff.
1: Uh, and also, uh, if you wouldn't mind talking about, we we I, I asked you if there's a difference. That there is a real difference between the inexpensive nylon and the more expensive nylon. And we also want to know a little bit about tests. You know, especially if you're now uh, that you don't really have to worry about it in bass fishing. But uh, wh- what? Re- how real is if it's a twenty pound test? Where where does it really break?
2: Well, let me see if I can explain this simply. <laughs> um, nylons and uh, uh, nylon lines, okay, regular monofilaments weaken a little bit when they get wet. And then, you know, anglers don't always get 100% knot strength out of them. You, you can tie good knots to get 100%, but, but you don't all the time. So what we try to do is when we label, let's say, a Trilene XL at 10 pounds, that's, that's going to break at at least 10 pounds, maybe slightly above wet with a knot. And that's okay. kind of how we've designed our okay. diameters and so forth to okay. go from, from there.
1: Well, it looks like we're coming up into another break right now. And uh, if you guys don't mind, if you've got some time, we're going to bring Bart Hall in and talk a little bit about the uh, um, the Fred Hall show that's coming up in Del Mar. And I know both you guys are very familiar with that because you've, yep. you've probably been to at least, uh, at least a couple of them. But, uh, you know, we would, you know, just a reminder that uh, uh, Mark has its uh, Bass Angler magazine, its Bass, Mag, isn't it? Just BassMag.com? Bass, bass, BassMag.com. Real that's a, simple. That's a really easy one. And then at Berkeley, of course, they're everywhere.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, if, you, if you go to Berkeley-Fishing.com, that's Perfect. the way to get us.
1: All right. Well, we're going to be right back. You are listening to Fish Talk Radio, and we'll be right back with you. Thank you, guys. Very interesting stuff.
3: that special family experience want to really get your money's worth then come to the Fred Hall Show March 26th to the 29th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds for 38 years we've provided world class deals and world class fun for men, women and children and when it's time to go home you'll want to do it all again if you love fishing, boating, international travel or camping it's the ultimate outdoor experience and the kids are free the Fred Hall Show March 26th to the 29th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds check us out at FredHall.com and remember it's a whale of a show
8: Board into the water find a way to win a couple dollars
1: welcome back to fish talk radio i'm john hendigan in studio and scattered all around us we have clay norris the marketing manager for berkeley line we also have mark Lassane from bass angler magazine and now we've got uh, mr excitement that's going to tell us about the probably the most exciting event in all of fishing uh that is going to be coming up in del mar just next week so we have um bart hall from the fred hall show bart thanks for coming in
9: well, thanks, John Clay and Mark. It's uh, really good to be well, here. And, uh, you know, we finished up a great uh, Long Beach show, probably one of the best ones in history, if not the best, and uh, very exciting. Uh, we didn't know it was going to happen because we've never had a fishing season out here like we had this year in saltwater, where um, we just kept fishing all year long. Normally, there's a break and people get excited. You get to end up. And we, we were kind of nervous about what that would mean for the show, but it turned out to be it's fantastic. Um, I think everyone had set records and, uh, and you know, just went off the charts. And we had a great time. And now we're looking forward to uh, Del Mar, our, our show in Del Mar on March 26th to the 29th. And um, we've never sold as many booths in the history of that show as we sold this year. We have a huge boat lineup. We have lots of stuff going on and over 200 seminars in five days and a ton of outdoor activities for the kids and for families. And it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Well, it, it is actually an event. I know that, you know, the first show in Long Beach is kind of the um, unofficial beginning of the of the saltwater fishing season in California. And then, of course, you know, it's also, you know, the starting now was the opening of the uh, the Sierras. So it's an exciting time of the year. It's kind of the launch of it. And the the, the thing that we notice because there's such a big turnout, it looks like some people are, are starting to get back into it, Bart, and getting back outside and, and maybe taking some trips that they didn't think they could afford five or six years ago. And and it's exciting to see that we're kinda of getting back to way things used to be.
9: Yeah, I think it's it's getting like that. And I think a lot of people who were lap anglers, you know, out here in California in saltwater, we've had the problems with the MLPAs and we've had crappy fishing actually it hasn't worked very well you know the the uh, freshwater fishing has been good but uh now that kind of turned around and i think a lot of lapsed anglers came back a lot of new anglers got involved this year i think it's going to be great and like you know we're going to keep on going right through after the delmar show up for the opening of the sierras and the saltwater season is going to keep going on and Fishing should be very strong in California this year. There you go. We're happy to be a part of that.
1: Well, why don't you give us, before you take off, give us a little bit more information, where, when, how to get there, and what you need to go to the website and get tickets, or just give us some particulars on people that want to show up.
9: Well, you, you can go to the website to get tickets, but really, uh, you just come down, come on down to the Del Mar Fairgrounds, and that's the March 26th to the 29th. We're open Thursday and Friday at noon. We close at eight. On Saturday, we open at 10 and close at 8. On Sunday, we open at 10 and close at 6. And there's a lot of stuff going on. We've got stuff here that we did not have in Long Beach. Uh, the San Diego County Ford dealers have brought us the Paul Bunyan Lumberjack Show. Hmm. And we've got a oh, lot of stuff right. going on. We've got, you know, the Ultimate Air Dogs. we got mm-hmm. the world's greatest night thrower. we got, we got more stuff than...
1: More stuff that you could well, do let's, what I would suggest if you're doing a spring break vacation to Southern California, forget Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm and all that stuff. you can have a lot more fun at the hall show <laughs>
9: well i I think you can and as a matter of fact, it would cheaper Delmore yeah. <laughs> Del was uh, was something that you could do easily, but you know it's kinda almost getting too big to do easily
1: <laughs> yeah well you can't you can't do it in a couple hours so but yeah. uh you, right. you, you spend at least a full day there if not two but oh, yeah. uh, bart i'm sure you're getting busy for that so we'll let you get back to work and we appreciate you coming on and it really is a a, a family celebration and i'm serious about it. if you're going to be in the area uh make sure that you stop by and check that out it's besides that it's 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 a lot cheaper than all the other amusement parts and and it's a real family event
9: well oh, thanks uh yeah we we think so we're looking forward to it.
1: Okay thanks Bart.
9: Thank, Thank you, you. Bart. Mm-hmm. Yep. Take care. Okay.
1: Okay. Bye, guys. Right. Okay, uh, Clay and Mark, we got uh, you know probably about three or four minutes left in this segment. To, I'm not even sure we where we left off. I think that we that uh, we were still on the uh, we gone from the the advantages of disadvantages some of the more modern lines so the fluorocarbon and then of course the, uh, um, the micro braid. Now, uh, what is the proper name? Is it Super Braid, Micro Braid, or what do you pref- what is the general term that you use?
2: Well, it all depends on the you know the, kind of the manufacturer spin on it. We we call them super lines just as a as a general category, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe braided super line is a good way to put it. Um, you know, we actually our fire line, which is a very uh, popular line across the country, uh, is a fused braid. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it's a, a patent that we've had for many years, and uh, you know, we actually take a braided line and, and fuse the fibers together, make it act a little bit. More like okay, a mono. and
1: what is that? What's that? What do you call that? It's Fireline, Berkeley Fire Okay, because uh, you sent me some last week, I, um, last year, and I took some down to La Paz for the grizz, and he spooled all of his reels with it. And I'm trying to remember the name of it. But it's, well, it's that of one. It's,
2: well, for the grizz had a, another. We have another braid that we designed for saltwater fishing, for, mm-hmm. particularly yeah. for the yeah. offshore, called Prospect Braid, and that's, that's probably yeah. what what grizz had because
1: it it looks more like a mono than a than a braid.
2: It feels that yeah. way because of its eight carrier construction and uh-huh. everything. yeah, that's
1: oh, incredible stuff. And you know, if you're again, when we talk, oh, I know what I was gonna we was going to say. We're talking about uh, um, the you know the less expensive, more expensive line, and 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 the uh, when it actually breaks. But when it comes down to it, you know, if you go uh, big game fishing and you spend two thousand dollars and you try and save ten bucks on your fishing line. Probably not too smart.
2: No, no, and that's one of the things that I, I was talking to a guy just the other day. One of our salesmen, and he was remarking, talking to a guy, and he had, you know, he had a fifty thousand dollar bass boat. Yeah. He was getting ready to go to El Salto, and blah yeah. blah 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 blah. Yeah. Right? right? And asked him the last time he changed his line. He said two
5: years ago.
1: Oh, you know, you know that's a good point. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't mind, I was going to just ask that same question um, about how often do you change it and. On on some of the uh, the super braids, are you supposed to wash them off over a period of time or dry them out? But how often c- should you change it, and can you flip it end for end uh, uh-huh. instead of replacing it?
2: Um, well, the the general rule, and there's no rule. I mean, there's a guideline that we say is that you know you should change your line at least once a year because you just don't know what kind of nicks and little knots you might have put in the line or something like that. I mean, if you do get a wind knot or something in your line, you know you get a big fish on the line that's going to be its weak point. You just don't know, so you you at least need to spool on a on a on a braided line, a super line, spool some of it off, and then obviously you get to a point. Where you need to re because you don't have enough line because um, it can get frayed and so forth at the end. Uh, we also say anytime you are going to go on a special trip or you're a tournament fisherman, uh, it is the cheapest insurance you have to the point you were raising before. Is all this money that you spend uh, entering a tournament on all your gear, you know, what's 10 or 15 more dollars for some fresh line mm-hmm. on your reels? Uh,
1: Mark, exactly. what, what, Mark, I was just going to ask you, Mark, how often, what, what do you do for your line? Huh? How often you change it, and what do you normally use?
8: I I would say I change my line each rod and reel at least six times a year.
1: Well, you you fish a little more than he most people, though. Like, yeah, <laughs>
8: I do fish. I do fish more than more than you know the average guy. But so at least six times for one. My braided lines, I usually leave them on there longer, and I'll just like uh, like Clay was saying, I'll just kind of snip off a little bit until it gets low, and then I'll swap it out. Mm-hmm. Um. So and then uh, you know I can tell you the different lines I use um, if I'm throwing a chatterbait, crankbait, spinnerbait, um, something something underwater uh, like a, uh, a glide glide bait, I'll use fluorocarbon for all of those. If I'm throwing something on top, I'll use monofilament. Um, not so much for the stretch, but for the fact that it floats. Um, some of some of the topwater baits like a frog and. Um, you know, if I'm fishing for really big fish, I know there's, you know, eight and ten pounders biting. I'll probably switch up to braid where I have a, you know, I have the advantage. It's mm-hmm. the fish to get down on the stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then, uh, you know, like drop shotting and mm-hmm. uh, shaky heads and things like that. Then I'll throw braid with a, with a fluorocarbon leader.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm just, this is kind of a question is different types of fishing. Now, bass fishing, It's uh, it's kind of an immediate reaction because the bass, you know, they'll take it in, and if it's not what they thought it was, they spit it out immediately. So you have just a fraction of a second to set that hook. Now, if you're bait fishing or, you know, a lot of times big game fishing or something, you you let them take it and run with it, and you never really set the hook with a circle hook. But when you're bass fishing, to get that immediate, quick, hard response, uh, I would think that that the braided line would, would make a big difference.
8: Yeah, it can. I mean, it's it's exceptional when you can feel actually what's going on. I mean, so many times a fish bite, you can't feel it. Um, but, you know, the braid will give you that little extra advantage where you can kind of feel everything that's going on. I mean, not only with the fish biting, but you can feel the cover down there. If, uh, you know, like a lot of times bass will be in the rocks. And oh. using braided line, you can tell if you're in the weeds or on mm-hmm. a silty bottom or you get into the rocks. And you you can get a better feel for it. What's actually down on the bottom, so you can kind of stay in that zone where where the fish are longer.
2: Yeah, it's almost like having a, another set of eyes down there or something. It it really does make a huge difference. Hmm. Uh, the braided line and, and fluorocarbon in and discerning all those things that Mark was talking about.
1: Uh, yeah, I had not even thought about that aspect of it. But um, and then of course you know the also will uh, braided line help cut through uh, grass and kelp and things, uh, Mark or Clay. Oh,
8: absolutely. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, You know, especially, like, we, you know, we do a lot of frog fishing here at Clear Lake and on the Delta, and, you know, we'll throw it way back in the weeds and the tulies and you know, you get a big fish on, and if you can't rip through those tulies and those weeds, mm-hmm. then you're pretty much going to lose right. that fish.
1: So. Hey guys, you know right. what? I'm just I'm just looking at them. Well, actually, Mark just told me that it's time to <laughs> time to get out of here, uh, at least for this at right. se- for this segment. <laughs> but uh, real real quickly, uh, again, Mark, it is uh, bass mag. Dot .com real simple real simple and, and com the, go right. there check us out okay. sign up for the magazine okay well we appreciate you guys hanging around and you are listening to fish talk radio you can listen to us as many times as you want by going to fishtalkradio.com and we'll uh, see if we can put some contests and give some of the stuff away to you guys appreciate that you're listening to fish talk radio
4: He can't catch fish. You can't catch fish.
1: Welcome to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan, and we still have Clay Norris in line with us. Thank you, Clay. Gosh, we've covered a lot of territory on fishing line. Well,
2: it's and, been a lot of fun. We were talking to, during the break, you know, that you, you can go down so many different paths because mm-hmm. there's obviously lots of different fishing styles and species to fish for and on and on and on, and then, and then well, we've got we, all these lines.
1: Yeah, well, we started with linen, and we've gone all the way, all the way up through the uh, the braided <laughs> super lines. So, but one of the things we didn't didn't really talk too much about is just you know the basic family outing spinning reel yeah, which is probably the most you know popular type of fishing. What what do you recommend for that?
2: Well, you know we've at Berkeley we that's an area that we really have put a lot of focus on. I mean, it's kind of our part of the world up here in Iowa where the most people use spinning reels, and a lot of the serious techniques. I mean, for walleye fishing, for smallmouth bass fishing up here, for trout fishing, and so forth, spinning reels the the way to go, and lighter baits. There's a big trend around the country for. Baits. Um, I've kind of learned myself in freshwater fishing, you know, the smaller bait you can use, the more fish you're going to catch, and you'll catch some smaller fish, but big fish eat them too. And so, you know, for a family going out, I think the big mistake people do is too big of a rig. Uh, you know, that how many people do you see with the traditional, you know, red and white bobber with a big old worm hook on the bottom and an earthworm? Well, you know, the, the, the most of the fish swimming around in that body of water aren't going to get their mouth around that big hook. Um, so fishing with something small, you're going to catch a lot more fish, and spinning reels are ideal for that. So, like, our FireLine as a super line is fantastic for those kind of reels. It was designed for them. Uh, it doesn't cause some of the problems that the regular braided lines can do. Uh, it You know, it has a little bit more body to it. But, you know, the best line all around is something like Trilene XL. It's just mm-hmm. a very manageable all-around nylon monofilament that doesn't have a lot of spool memory.
1: Um, yeah. No, that's... Uh, and, and and again, it's a uh, it's good line, but, you know, especially on a uh, spinning rail, it doesn't cost that much because it doesn't hold that much line. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And, you know, that that's another thing, too, is if you've got kids involved in things like that, all right, unless I've taught my son how to fish and he's careful with everything and, and so he uses FireLine and Nanofill. But most people, it's best to start out with the nylon for nothing else so that when it does become a big old tangled mess yeah. because yeah. the kids have wrapped <laughs> it all around everything.
1: With tears in their eyes. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah.
2: You can untangle it and yeah. it isn't going to break the bank if you have to cut a bunch of it off in yeah. real 3 spools
1: one other question when you're talking about nylon I heard some a long time ago that if it's stored in the dark it lasts for a long long time but if it's in the sun or fluorescent lights then that degrades it is, is, that, is there any truth to that?
2: Yeah that is true we've we put more inhibitors in it uh, UV blockers and things to try to help that but nylon is the one material out of the three we've talked about that uh, the UV spectrum of sunlight and fluorescent lights can break it down um, heat isn't good on any kind of fishing line, really. uh, It it tends to put that a little bit more of the memory set into it, especially if it goes from an extreme of heat to cold. Um, You think about a line, a a, a nylon line can soak up water, and so you fish it again and again, and so it soaks up water, and then it dries out, and then it soaks up water and dries out. Those are the reasons why you change your line a little bit more often.
1: Okay. Well, it looks like we've pretty much covered things. I I know if we had a couple hours we'd find a way to use it but uh <laughs> clay we really appreciate you you're taking all this time out of your busy day and uh, bringing us up to date a little bit and, and we appreciate you coming in once in a while and keeping us up to date on that and uh, we'll find we'll talk to you later and find out what's going to be happening in the next year two years or three years and you know how good can it get
2: well i appreciate the time very much and, and appreciate the opportunity thank you
1: all right thanks you are listening to Fish Talk Radio, make sure you visit us at FishTalkRadio.com and go to our Facebook, Fish Talk Radio. We've got always fun stuff coming up. So we appreciate you tuning in and we'll uh, catch you again in the next show.
8: You gone fishing?